Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I'm confident by what I feel today that I don't know if there's but a handful of people in this room that doesn't want be face to face with God today. I can just I can feel the desire in this room. These are special services and it it feels even beyond what I have felt here in the past. The desire to be in the presence of God is at a crescendo today. And I just feel like I feel strongly that by the end of this service, you're not just going to be where you are right now. I really do believe that God is going to take you to the most holy place before this service is over. And that's not me making a hype statement. I'm not trying to get a response. I really, really believe that you want to be with God face to face. But to go from where we are right now to meet with God face to face, there's something that is always required of us. It's not a work, but it is something that God wants from us. And that's what I feel to minister today. God has been just moving my spirit around. And I I do believe that God wants us to enter into that most holy place In the Bible, there was an outer court where a lamb was slain. There was an inner court where there was the light that was only from a lampstand. And then there was that most holy place where the presence of God was. And that's the place God wants us today. That's the place I feel like we have gotten to a point, and I believe that God's going to take us even farther. If you remain standing, I want to go to Leviticus chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 3. I know that Leviticus is a a bit of a strange book in the Bible that we don't often know what to do with, but I'll challenge you with this. I believe it's one of the most beautiful books in the Bible. And the reason why I make that strange statement is if you've read Leviticus, you're probably thinking you're insane. (laughs) But there are five books in their Bible. They have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's their Bible. And their Bible has a book of Leviticus that's right in the middle of those five. It's right in the center. And if you know anything about Jewish culture, their punchlines are in the middle of the sentence, not at the end like ours. And so their punchline to their Bible is the book of Leviticus because it's central, right in the middle of their Bible. And guess what's in the middle of Leviticus? It's atonement. The punchline of their Bible is atonement. And I believe that that is what God wants us to have a revelation of today. Now, if you want to meet with God face to face, I want you to just agree with me today that we're going to go there together. I believe that that would please God and that would help us. Amen. Leviticus 1 verse 3, it says, If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will. That's important. Nobody's making you do this. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest, Aaron's son, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. He shall wash its entrails, that's the guts, and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice. And here's the most unexpected part of all of those gruesome details. It's an offering made by fire, a sweet 
aroma to the Lord. Who would have expected that? (laughs) I want to minister to us today what I feel like will bring us to the face of God today. It's Instagram altars. Instagram altars. Now, with the same zeal and desire that I've already seen, would you lift up your hands again and just let him know, God, I want to meet with you face to face. I didn't come here for any other reason today, God. I I love the fellowship, but I'm here for you. I want to meet with you face to face. I want to be in your presence. I want to hear your voice. God, I want to be in the presence of angels. But God, more than that, I want to be near you. I want to feel your presence. I want to feel your hand. I want to feel the comfort that you promised us. God, I pray that you would impart into this room some spiritual gift. God, I ask you for my sake today. God, I'm not asking to operate in any gift other than the one you will to me to have today. What I really want, though, is I want to be like you. God, I want to minister with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God, I want to be just like you. God, let me speak like you. Let me act like you. Let me represent you accurately in the name of Jesus. We'll give you glory. Whatever happens today, God, we'll give you praise for it. We don't want it. We don't don't deserve it, but you do, God. Share with me the anointing you made in Gethsemane. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor Man, for allowing me to be here today. This passage that we've just read, it describes in gruesome detail the process that is required in order to be at one with God. Hence, the title given to the practice mentioned in verse 4 is atonement. The Hebrew word for atonement is kefer. That's why this day is called Yom Kippur, because it means it's the day of atonement. And that word atonement is not quite getting to the heart of the word kefer. That word kefer just means to smear something or to cover something. And that's why they called it that kefer, because they would smear the blood on top of a mercy seat. And William Tyndale was looking for an appropriate word because he didn't feel like smear quite communicated it good enough. So William Tyndale came up with the word atonement. It means at one This will be the process by applying the blood on top of a mercy seat that we will become one with God. And to the casual churchgoer, Leviticus, this process, this gruesome, detailed, individual process that's at the center of their Bible would be considered in our modern day, it would be and can be considered rated R and not suitable for children because it may contain scenes that some viewers find disturbing. It baffles many Christians and I've even noticed in preaching that we we stray away from these particular passages because we're somehow afraid it's going to make the righteous blush and make the guest afraid that if we communicate these vivid details, it might be too strange of a church and we're afraid that you might think we're odd. However, it's of an utmost importance to understand that Moses didn't come up with this odd little detail. God is the one who is speaking at the beginning of this passage. And God wanted it to be purposefully bloody, vividly gruesome, and unapologetically messy. It's of utmost importance that we know that God is the one who spoke here. And God doesn't want us to stray away from this no matter how strange, archaic, or barbaric it will look. This passage, when taken out of the greater context of the Bible, I admit can read archaic at best and barbaric at worst, simply because of the brutality that is described here. But the reason for these gritty details 
And the reason for such vivid, gruesome, bloody, messy altars is because God didn't want a bleached altar. He didn't want a pretty altar. He didn't want an aesthetically pleasing altar. He didn't want one that got more hearts and likes than blood. To fully grasp the understanding and to get your head wrapped around the reason for such statements as kill the bull, skin the burnt offering, pull the guts out, burn it upon the altar. We need to see what life was like before this was needed. Before all of this was needed, there is a place in the Bible that is Instagram worthy. It's a, it's a beautiful place. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's perfect. In fact, it's given the name Eden, which means pleasurable. God named that garden pleasurable. And I don't believe he named it that simply because it was pretty, simply because it was just aesthetically pleasing. It had beautiful flowers and there was no corrupt nature there. I believe that God called it pleasing because mankind was there with him at one. And the reason why I can make that statement is simply because your Bible tells us in Psalm 149 that the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he beautifies the meek with salvation. He takes pleasure in his people. And when he saw humanity in that garden, he looked and he said, I know what I'll call this place. I'll call it pleasing because you're here with me. I didn't make this because I wanted to show off my creativity. I created this to show you my creativity. But the reason why I made it is so that you would be here to see it. I wanted you here with me. This was what life was and the meaning of life and the design of life. You are not carnal beings. You were made in a spiritual place because Eden was on a mountaintop in the heavens. You were created from heavenly soil. You are spiritual beings that have carnal experiences. You and I are first and foremost spiritual. And here is the condition of perfect, pleasing humanity. It says they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. The word naked here just means they were uncovered. Humanity was fully laid bare before God. They were vulnerable. They were honest. They were transparent. And this pleasing relationship is beautiful in God's eyes until it becomes fractured by sin. And at the inception of sin, there is a shame that is produced. And all the adversary did was ask a question. Hear me, if you're in the end times looking for evil, you're going to miss the adversary altogether. He never comes cloaked in evil. He's too smart for that. He comes cloaked in reasonable. He comes to them and he says, hey, it's perfectly reasonable to have that tree, even though God says you have, shouldn't have it. That's a, that's a reasonable thing to say. That's how he always approaches us. And he asks reasonable questions to author in our lives confusion. But God comes along after. After they are confused by a reasonable voice, brother man, they reach for the nearest thing to them that is good. Well, God said these trees are good. We're no longer good. We're filled with shame. Let us cover ourselves with what is good so that God can think we're good. And this is where a false religion was designed. God said, naked is good. Laid bare before me is good. Transparent and vulnerable is good. And you're going to cover it up with your perception of good? Are we justifying ourselves? And they cover themselves with the leaves. 
They made themselves coverings and hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. But thankfully, the adversary is not the only one that asked a question. For the presence of God came looking for two failures because he's already proven by the construction of this earth that he's not afraid of chaos. That's what he came for. And so when he finds people that are being confused and broken by chaos, he approaches them as well. And he says, this is where I thrive. I always form things and fill them. You have been emptied. I'll fill you back up. And he approaches them and he asks them a question. God says, where are you? And it's not because he's ignorant to their geographical location. God was seeking something. But rather than seeking confusion like the adversary, when God asks a question, he says, I'm looking for confessions. Where are you? And a pseudo-confession bursts forth. The woman that you gave me. Oh, I ate. And it feels good because you stated what you did. You said the mistake you made, but it's still cloaked in self-justification because you're assuming and telling God, I wouldn't have if. I did eat. There's no denying that. Your eye sees all things, but I wouldn't have. The serpent that you gave me, the serpent that was here, that's not confession. That's the most confusing kind of confession. It's a self-justified confession. If I wasn't from this family, we're starting to see that they are covering themselves more than just with figs at this point. This family trait will begin to emerge as their son now kills his own brother. And God comes and asks him a question as well. And this time, we don't even get pseudo-confession, just outright lying. Am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where he's at. And this is now the condition of mankind. We are no longer naked. We're no longer transparent. We're no longer vulnerable. We strive to the best of our abilities to cover ourselves and to show God the best of us, to show us our most righteous acts, our most pleasurable deeds so as to please him somehow and God knows better do you think it not mere coincidence that God removes the fig leaves from Adam and Eve and places animal skins on them and when you get to Leviticus the very thing God says is he says when you bring that animal to become one with me I want you to take a knife I want you to slit the throat of that animal pour its blood out on the south side of the altar And then I want you to take that same fillet knife and I want you to remove the animal skins off of that animal. I want that animal laid bare before me. You take the skins off of it. That animal would be juxtaposed against Adam and Eve. And you and I reading that get a revelation. I see what he's doing. In order to go near him and to be face to face with him again, that animal's going to have to be stripped bare of its animal pelt. We've got to take off the self-justification. We have to take off the excuses. We have to take all of that off and throw that over there. And it's a bloody mess as you take the knife and you start to carve away the flesh of that animal and you toss they would take the flesh and they would toss it outside the camp because that's where the flesh belongs here's holy ground the flesh belongs out there here's where it belongs here naked is what belongs here laid bare is what but don't just stop there go a layer deeper and they take the same knife and they put it into the stomach of that animal and they split the gut open and they pull the entrails out why because they want glory they want to be near God so this is not unreasonable this is not foolish 
This is not archaic. This is not barbaric. Yes, they're feeling the brokenness because this animal didn't do anything wrong. Why is the animal going through all of this? Nevertheless, I'm going to see it laid bare because it's representing my soul right now. And they pulled the guts out because they wanted glory. No guts, no glory. That's the whole, that's the whole thing right here. And so they would take that animal and they would cut its legs off, wash the legs. And then they wouldn't just put it on an altar. You see, this is where we're getting messed up in our 21st century. I'm visiting the altar. No, ma'am. I don't visit altars. I don't come on a Sunday to an altar and say, well, see you next week, altar. That altar goes with me everywhere that I walk. Because that animal would be laid on that altar and here's what they would do. They said, set it on fire and burn. Don't just show a little blood. Don't just pull the animal skins off. You burn it. Make sure it's diminished to nothing. Because when that strong animal gets diminished to ashes, when I breathe, it can finally be moved. I want that thing completely destroyed. Don't just show me blood. Destroy it. But you got to live on an altar. Because it would burn all night long until it was gone. And then this is what they would do. They would go in to the presence of God and they would take the blood of that animal and they would smear it. They would kefer it on top of the mercy seat and they would say, this is how we're going to become one with you by naked and not ashamed. And this is what you have to get the revelation of. I, God would rather have us ugly and naked that rather than us come to him with some false pretense. He's looking at us as, I don't want your little pretty altars. I don't want you coming into the house and just saying, you know, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. He's not interested in all of that. He wants us to come in and to actually say the stuff that we're too embarrassed to say. He wants us to actually lay ourselves bare. He wants us to have ugly, blood-covered, vivid, gruesome altars. He's not interested in the pretty. And here's what I have noticed in myself. I noticed this in myself last year in a prayer meeting that what I would tend to do, brother man, is I would come into the altar as I would approach my great God and I would try to appease him with how good I was. I didn't, I didn't truly come before him. I always had something that I had to bring to him. I got to bring you my good works. I got to bring you my extended fast. I got to bring you my lengthy prayer meetings. I got I to gotta tell you that I'm, I'm sacrificing and I'm traveling and I'm doing what you've asked of me because I wasn't convinced. He just wanted me to approach the way I should have approached him. I'm not embarrassed to tell you that it took until the age of 36 to get a revelation of this. I'm just glad to have the revelation. And I want to come to you today and I want to tell you, if you want to approach the Father, then you're going to have to learn how to discard the pretty altars and stop coming to him with what you think he wants and come to him with what he really wants. If you want to meet with him face to face, you've got to get this revelation. God is not interested in your Instagram altar. Maybe he'll like this if I show this. Maybe he'll be pleased with me if I present this. And you see, what I've noticed in our 21st century is that we have Instagram that is prophesying to us. Did you know that the, the unfiltered picture is still not you? Did you know that? That the unfiltered, this is how smart they are at, at, the, at the company, Meta, this is how smart they are. They know you won't post unless you like what you see. 
So what they do is they put the unfiltered next to all these filters. And so when you don't use the filter, man, that looks, that don't look that bad. Bottom line is we're uglier than we think we are. <laughs> but they know that. So they know if, man, if they don't like this, they're not going to post it. We have whole generations that will take pictures down if it doesn't get X amount of likes by X amount of time. Because, well, this picture must not be pretty enough. There's a whole movement now of this is the real me. This is the raw me. That's still not you. And so what we have done is that has trickled into our spirits. And so what we do is we come to God and we do this now, Brother, Brother Smith. This is what we do. We come in and we just say, Father, forgive me for I'm a sinner. That's pretty. What about the person who comes in and says, God, forgive me. I am so insecure that when there's a conversation going on that's not about me, I have to steer the conversation in a direction so I can get back to me so that I can feel better about myself. Oh, we don't want to say that. Father, I am absolutely filled with disgusting, ugly pride. <laughs> when it gets uncomfortable is when I know. Don't, don't tell me that. That means i got to actually say that to him. God, forgive me. I come before you. I am addicted to pornography. Father, forgive me. I wear certain things because I know it gets the attention of somebody else. Father, forgive me because I, I post this constantly and I don't even realize the reason why I'm doing it is because I want people to see I'm important. But we come in with a little filtered altar and we don't feel like it's filtered because it's a pseudo altar. We come in and say, Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. We're supposed to say it. We're supposed to come in. It's supposed to hurt. The knife is never supposed to feel good. When we lift up our hands and we say what we have a revelation of, Father, I am doing all of these things not because of my parents, not because of life circumstances. I'm doing this because I've made a conscious decision to do it. Ugly altars. What we do when we come in the presence of God, we lift, up the, we lift up the altar and we just say, if I show him this side, then I won't have to see my own double chin and he won't see it either. And maybe he'll like me better. That's a pretty altar. This is what David, you need to get a revelation of David. David sleeps with Bathsheba and then has her husband killed to try and hide his iniquity. And listen to, I'm so thankful I have his prayer meeting in Psalm 51. He comes before God and he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. You notice all the personal pronouns? It's my iniquities. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you and you only. I'm not blaming Bathsheba. I'm not blaming a tree. I'm not blaming a serpent. I come before you and now I'm going to lay it fully bare before you, God. This is what I have done. I have made a terrible mistake. This is my sin. It's not because we're at war and I should have been on a battlefield. There's none of that. I'm not blaming anything. I'm not going to blame her husband. I'm not going to blame the window that I look 
looked out of if I didn't have the internet. I'm not blaming any of that stuff. This is on me, God, and I confess to you what I have done. Could you imagine how terrifying this was in his context because the sin he committed was worthy of stoning from God. God was the one who said, if you commit adultery, it's worthy of stoning. And so for him to come before the one who spoke the law and said, God, I had adultery. It's my sin. Kill me, God. You would be perfectly just and righteous in blotting me out right now. And God looks at him and says, what you have done is the greatest thing. You have made it home to where I am. You have come back to Eden. You finally got a revelation that that animal on the altar wasn't just the animal. That's you. You've offered your body a living sacrifice. And now I can declare you holy and acceptable. This was your reasonable service, David. Enter thou in. Come and meet with me face to face. And I will reach all the way into the New Testament and grab the new covenant grace that isn't even here yet and I'll give it to you all because you confess. You want to know the power of an ugly altar? It's when you come in and God says, there it is. That's what I wanted to hear. I didn't want to hear pretty. I didn't want to hear self-justification. I wanted to see you as you are. That's what I've been looking for. Just say it to me. Tell me you have pride. Tell me that you have disgusting habits and here's what I'll do. I will cover it. This is the famous prayer meeting. But listen to the rest of the prayer meeting. He doesn't stop there. He goes down to verse 6. He says, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. He's quoting the Levitical atonement offering right here. He says, God, I'm realizing now that's not what you want. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise you won't turn them away when I come before you naked you see me and you say I'm not ashamed by it I'm not embarrassed by the sin I have something that will cover it if you want to be at one with God you've got to get a revelation that we have got to discard the pretty altars in this 21st century church and we've got to come back to the altars and just say it aloud God this is what I really am this is what I've really done this is what I do in private here it is God I lay it before you it hurts me to even say it and I'm afraid you're going to blot me out, but I'd rather be ugly and naked than be covered with my own false pretenses. I don't want to grab apostolic and put it on myself and say, there, that's good. He'll like me because I'm Pentecostal. I don't want to grab the church sign and put it on me. I don't want to grab my ministry and cover myself with that. I want to come before you as I am. Here I am, God. I don't even want to come before you and say, well, God, I'm a guest. I don't know better. I'm not going to say any of those things. I come before you and say, God, I know what sin is. I know the disgusting habits I have. Here they are, God. And when you do, he will not despise them. Come on, there it is. Somebody is getting, somebody's in the most holy place right now. Musicians, get ready to come. In fact, come up now. Come on, 
God is going to take you to a deep holy realm today. And here's how it will be none of your works. It'll be none of your efforts. The only thing you have to contribute is here I am, God. I did it. This is what I am. This is what I do. And you take the Instagram altars and you throw them in the trash and you say, here, the true raw, the true unfiltered. Here it is, God. I confess to you. You know where this came from, Brother Smith? Let me confess where this came from. I was in a prayer meeting last year. And in that prayer meeting, I was talking with the Lord, all pretty, all professional, all nice and tidy. It was all, I mean, I had my little, my spiritual coffee over here, my, my spiritual Bible sitting here. And I was taking the picture saying, God, I'm in prayer today. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm faithful. And there was something in my heart that I didn't want to confess to God. I'll tell you what it is. I want to see my son Levi more than I wanted to see God. And I didn't know how to tell him that. I didn't know how to say, God, I want my son more than you. And so finally, just about 20 minutes into it, God spoke to me and he said, son, why don't you tell me the thing that you're embarrassed to say? I said, God, it, it, it's, I don't want to hurt you. Just putting more leaves on. I love you. And God said these words to me. He said, it hurts me that you think I can't handle it. And this is what I finally outwardly said. I said, God, I want Levi more than you. And I wish I didn't mean that. But I had him. He was real. He was tangible. You're, I'm still, I still have faith that you're real, but I haven't touched you. But this is what I said next. I said, but God, here's truth in my inward parts. I want to want you more. But I don't know how. And the, the thing that I wasn't expecting happened. Here's proof. This is not just a sermon. I have lived this. I was scared to say that because I thought God was going to strip from me ministry and say, well, that's it. You're done traveling. I can't use you anymore because you don't want me. I was scared to say that because I was afraid to lose what I love. I love ministry. But the next thing that happened, I wasn't expecting God. I could hear his voice as a father. And he spoke to me and he said, son, why is he here with me in heaven? I hit my knees and I said, because of your goodness. Because of your salvation, oh God, because of your blood, he's there with you. He said, you get him because of me. That's how you can want me more. And I did not realize that revelation would come off the heels of confession. And in that moment, I got the true revelation that God, you're a good father. You're a true, you're not like me. 
You're not insecure about your children. You're not worried that if a child has a question, somehow they're going to walk away. You're not insecure about any of that. You can nail it down for us if we just come and ask. And in that moment, my faith was deeper. And I can truly say today, a year later, I want him more than anything. And that came off the heels of confession. So here's what I feel is most appropriate today. I think that every single person in this room should run to these altars, throw your hands up, and we should just let God know what we are, what we're dealing with. Don't do like Cain did with Abel. Don't put your brother on the altar. Would you put yourself on it? Let your brother or sister put their own selves on the altar. Don't come and say, God, I was hurt by them. My dad did this. They did that. That person said this about me. No, don't do that. Just come and say, God, I was hurt, but God, I make a conscious decision today. Don't put Abel on the altar. Put yourself on it. God is looking for confession. Now, after you have confessed, would you lift up those hands and allow God to give revelation? Here's what's going to happen here in this service. After you confess, God is going to grab you himself. His spirit's going to wrap his arms around you. And his spirit's going to pull you into that most holy place today. You're going to feel emotions you probably haven't ever felt before. Yes, you're going to feel things that you probably never felt before. That's the presence of God pulling you in. You're going to feel a frog in your throat. It's not emotion. It's your spirit that feels the presence of the Father near you. You might even feel the desire to start praising God and you don't know why that's because God's pulling you into his presence that most holy place child of God if you've been living for God for a long time and there's some things that you have yet to say to him just say it and know he's not embarrassed by it he's not going to be hurt by it he's looking for it his spirit's blowing through this room and saying just tell me Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.